Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to an episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. We are talking divorce today. I'm excited. You, uh, If you are a fellow listener, you know that I've been going through one, finished one, so that ever, it's an ever-ongoing process, especially if you have children, but we get to speak to uh, Sarah Armstrong today, who has an amazing book that is um, really helps with good divorce, um, you know, guidance. And, um, we're going to talk more about that. And, uh, before I bring Sarah on, let me just give you a little bit about her. Uh, Sarah Armstrong is a good divorce proponent and she's the author of the mom's guide to a good divorce. She is the vice president of global marketing operations at Google and a proud mom of grace who was seven years old when Sarah divorced. Grace is now a junior in college, so it's been quite a while since this happened, Um, and that's amazing that uh, she's a thriving college, you know, attendee, I suppose. Uh, Sarah is a mentor to other women as well as men in business and a longtime volunteer at various nonprofit organizations, including the Jack and Jill Late Stage Cancer Foundation, Georgetown Alumni Admissions Program, and Soup Kitchens. Please welcome Sarah Armstrong to the podcast. Hello. Hello, Heather. Great to be with you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be a great conversation. I fully expect this to be a longer episode listeners. So buckle up and, um, let's get going. So before we do, let me ask you, uh, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Well, I think my favorite cookie memory is, uh, something called a mud ball, which actually is a, I know it's a, it's, it's a peanut butter and chocolate combination that my mom made growing up. And then I made, um, throughout my uh, years raising grace as a holiday tradition. So it's, crunchy peanut butter and rice krispies and powdered sugar and butter it's a it's all goodness all in, and then you dip it in chocolate and you don't have to oh. bake so there's no there's no baking per se but it's so they're they're a family tradition and we used to make them uh grace and i used to make them and then deliver them around town to all of our friends and then i would take them to work and deliver them to colleagues so it was a tradition we did for many many years and uh so they're the kind of fun they're called mud balls mud balls okay because yeah. i was thinking maybe buckeye balls because those well, are like actually they're chocolate. Similar to Buckeye Balls, except it's with crunchy peanut butter, not smooth. And the Buckeye Ball leaves a little spot for the Buckeye where, you know, the chocolate doesn't cover. And these are fully. And that's also like confectionate sugar and all the, all the things. All the stuff. Yeah. You don't want to, you kind of don't want to think what's in them, but they're, they're just fabulous. So the holidays are for. That's right. That's right. I had friends that said the holidays didn't start until the mud balls showed up. So it was a fun I got to look that recipe up. That's a new, I get a lot of the same or similar or renditions, but this is the first mud ball I've had ever guest. There you go. There you go. I love it. Even with returning guests, they'll be like, I brought a different cookie this time. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. So Grace, it was seven. She's now a junior. Where is she? Is she, uh, is she with you in San Francisco or is she elsewhere? No, she's, at, she's at Seattle University and she's actually double majoring in forensic psychology and creative writing. Wow. Very interesting and loving it. She just turned 21 in October. So it's crazy to think I have a 21 year old, but very happy in Seattle and her life at school and what she's studying. So she's, as I said, I raised her for her wings to fly and she's flying. So it's really fun, very rewarding to see her kind of establishing what her life want, you know, what like what her life will be as, as an adult. So do you think she'll actually utilize these majors? Like most of us we'll don't. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, it, it'll be interesting. She's it, all the internships she's looking at are either a combination of the writing with some criminology angle or, you know, with uh, the FBI. different, yeah, yeah, the different uh, areas that you can go into. With, um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what she does with it. We'll see. Time time will tell. That's a fun thing. But you know, we'll see how life. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, um, I, my kids are, are young. They're, you know, 10 eight and six. And so they're, they're younger. Um, and I think 
about me and my parents and they live now close by. Um, so it's nice to have family close by when you go through a divorce and just, just having them in, involved in your life in general. Uh, my grandparents were in New York and all of my cousins were in New York and I live in Texas. So we didn't have, we did like summer, but, uh, it's nice that my kids live down the street from their cousins. So family is very important, but, um, I have an adult relationship with them. So when she's 21, now you can have a cocktail with your daughter instead of yes, apple juice. I, that's right. And that's the funny thing. We just said Thanksgiving and, and uh, it was like, we well, were actually official adult. Here we go. So yes, it's, it's yeah. definitely, it's, it's fun. It's we're, we're having a great time. Having yeah, a great it's time. an ever evolving relationship. Um, so you have a book out called um, <clears throat> the guide to divorce, right? For mom, good, um, good, yeah, the mom's guide to a good divorce, guide, which I think everybody needs because first of all, divorce is so, well, it's complex. Some people find everyone's on the same page, willy nilly great. And then some are very contentious, kind of like mine. And then you've got maybe someone in between where it's just, no matter what, even if it is, um, you know, something just cordial, it's still hard and people try to give you a lot of advice. And I really have determined that if as long as if you've gone through it, you may give advice if you have not, or you know someone that's different than going through it. It I really would, is. I definitely agree on that one. Yes. Uh, and you know, one of the things other I like to say when we start these conversations is, you know, just for the record, I'm actually not an advocate for divorce. You know, I actually think in an ideal couple, in an ideal world, couples that get married, stay married for the long term, you know, but unfortunately um, that's not always the case. And, you know, these days divorce is more common than ever. But, you know, I, I, I reflect on the fact that no one gets married to get divorced. Right. Right. And no one gets divorced generally for positive reasons. There's usually been some type of trigger that's led to that decision. But at the end of the day, the children that are involved when you have kids, I mean, they're the ones that are so significantly impacted by the decision you've made to, to get divorced and, and go through that process and what happens before, during and after the process. And so I think that's the most important part is, you know, regardless of what led you to that decision, you know, really keeping in mind what's going to happen to your children through that. They should, they should not be collateral damage because of the decision you and your spouse have made to no longer live in the same house. 100%. It's very difficult because I have younger kids. And so, but I, if, unless they're like infants, they have no clue. Like, I mean, infants have no clue. Kids, you think they're young and they have no idea or they're not affected. They are very, very much aware and they listen to everything, hear everything. They have their own interpretations of things. And that's been very tricky throughout this process. Absolutely. And that's actually, I mean, the irony is Grace is the one that coined the concept of a good divorce for me. Mm -hmm. So we were actually standing at a CBS checking out at the checkout stand and there was a people magazine uh, on the on the newsstand right by the checkout and there was a celebrity couple getting a divorce and this is she was eight at this time this was a year after our divorce and she says mommy is that a good divorce or a bad divorce i said grace i don't know what's the difference between a good divorce and a bad divorce she goes well good divorce is when the mommy and daddy are nice to each other like you and daddy and a bad divorce is when they scream and yell at each other hmm. And I thought, and I walked out and I thought, you know what, whatever my ex-husband and I were doing, that our daughter, a year after we have literally, in some respects, blown up her life where she's living across two homes and, you know, the changes that come with that huge shift, the fact that she could say we had a good divorce, I thought, you know, we're doing something right. You know, we're, yeah. we're around to something. And so, but it was so interesting when you say, I mean, they do notice everything. Yes. They notice everything. And so it was just a moment for me to reflect on, okay, let's, let, let's keep this going. And, you know, I actually don't think there's enough conversation in society about the concept of a good divorce, you know, mm -hmm. because the societal perception is bitter. And I, and I understand there's contentious divorces. I understand you've, you've had one of those situations, but I don't think there's enough to say what, how can we make it the best it can be given it's going to happen. Right. Right. And when you have, like for me, um, I was not in a good situation. And so I stayed in longer to prepare to leave because, and it was actually for the better of my kids and not for me. If, if it were me, I mean, who knows, but I made the decision based off of the environment that was happening. And I 
was like, this is not a healthy place. And I don't want my kids to be raised in a home that they think that this is a healthy marriage or relationship because we're modeling behavior and they don't get to control their environment. So that's our responsibility as parents. And, um, unfortunately, um, one of us had, could not get that and and understand and make changes and, and, and figure that out. And so forcing the hand of, well, if you can't do it for yourself, I'm going to have to do it instead. And so I'd made the right decision and the kids are so much more, it's more regulated and, and just even with my anxiety and things, but when one does not want it and the other one is like, there's really no choice whether I wanted it or not. I always say like the hand was forced, like you left me no choice at this point. Like we did like, and so it's like, you can't, you have to say uncle at this point. And so what comes with that is residual afterwards. Right. And then it's like, try co-parenting with something that one party still is upset about and with all the money and assets that go with it, it's like, it's really difficult and the kids end up getting caught in the middle and you try to not say anything and you try to like, but they're so smart. They are. They are. And the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, the way I think about it is a good divorce means that a couple sets aside their personal feelings for one another. Right. And focuses on what's best for the children. And, you know, I, you know, when a divorce happens in children, the stakes are high, you know, and we owe it to our children that they're not that collateral damage due to the divorce. And I said, even though we had decided to no longer be married, we made a commitment to our children when we brought them into this world, that they would be brought up in the safest, healthiest, happiest environment possible. And I joke that, you know, we cover the plugs and we put bike helmets on them and we feed them organic milk. You know, we do all these things, you know, <laughs> to make sure that they're, they're healthy and happy and safe. And then, you know, the toxicity, that can come from a divorce can have a long-term impact on a children's view on relationships, to your point, their view on marriage, their, their overall happiness in life. And so I really think it's our responsibility, as you just mentioned, to take co-parenting seriously with the intent of having a good divorce, or I'd say even the best divorce possible, because again, there's a spectrum of what how divorce unfolds. And you know, that's what that's what I think we have to put front and center, but it requires patience right? It requires taking the high road some days when the high road feels really steep and hard to take, you know, and it, but I don't think it's easy and anything we'll talk about today, I don't think is easy, but I do think it's doable. And I absolutely think it's worth it for the sake of your children, you know, and it's, it's a lifelong journey to, to go through all that, you know, you go through during this process. But if you can, you know, really think about what those actions are that you're taking and the discussions you're having decisions you're making with your children always in focus I think you will end up in a better place at the end of the process and at the end of you know whatever journey you're on relative to the divorce absolutely um I'm one that likes a roadmap right so I put a lot of time and I I probably overplanned, but I feel like you know what it really prepared me for where I am now because if you have expectate like if I feel like when you're preparing for a divorce, which is a really big thing because it's either you're going to be the one making that step towards it, or maybe it's both and you guys have conversations, but you're still having to prepare and going with your gut when you go do that. You know, for me, I just, I know my ex-spouse, I know how things are reactionary triggers, things and all the things that come up in a divorce were all triggers. So trying to be extra prepared mentally, emotionally, and and financially is something that you can't take lightly because it's, you just don't know divorce can bring out the worst. Sometimes it can be refreshing and you have a surprising turn. Um, how would you um, recommend if you're preparing, do you have any tools or, or things that how you approached it? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, there's the tactical thing, like having the parenting plan, as you mentioned, which is very much about having all those decisions made, as many as you can make together as you head into divorce to um, make that as clear as possible of how you're going to manage things after the divorce and from a co-parenting standpoint. So I think that's important. We could talk a lot about that. 
I think when you talk about the mental and emotional, the most important thing I think we need to do in life, not even just for divorce, is to build our compartmentalization muscle. Mm. Okay. And what that really means, in, in my view, is that you build a muscle that allows you to think about in those moments when the buttons are pushed and you, you could react, do you choose to react if your children are in the room or involved in that situation? Or do you say, you know what? I'm going to pause, take a deep breath. I will react, just not right now. And you either walk away, step away, just not say anything, whatever the moment, let the moment pass. And then you address it, whether you go talk to a therapist about it, you talk to your girlfriend, your family member, you talk to the ex-spouse in a different forum where it's not with the kids in view or in, in earshot. But I, I literally think one of the best things we can do is figure out how to build that muscle and use the muscle when it needs to be used so that our kids are not privy to those moments that have such a lasting impact on what they remember, how they think about things and the like. And so I really think that's one of the things. And that's the thing we can do for ourselves, right? That's it's within reactionary. Our, yeah, we cannot, we cannot control what the other person's going to do. We cannot control the buttons they're going to push, the things they're going to say, the actions they're going to take. That's that is out of our control. What is in our control as moms is what we can do to protect our children in those moments from those moments that will stick with them. Yeah. And coming from a mom standpoint, which is very hard, um, is relinquishing and we can't, we can only control what we can. Anxiety comes from things we can't control, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, so that's the thing. And so you can't control everything. And there's gonna be things swirling around. It's just like in that moment, you know, when that button is pushed, like how do you choose to react? And, you know, there are times when, and I can say, sometimes you react and you're like, oh, I did that pretty well. That was, yeah. that was okay. You know, other times you're like, oh, I'd like to do that differently next Thanks. time. Oh. And when you feel like you've done, when you feel like you've reacted in a moment where it didn't go as well as you like, that's when you say to your kids, look, mom wants to handle that differently next time. Or acknowledge, like in some, if they're old enough to understand what just happened, yeah. to acknowledge the fact that that wasn't fair to them or that, you know, mom maybe not didn't handle it that, you know, as well as I'd like to. So I think that conversation also says, you know, you're doing the best you can, right? Yeah. And in these moments, you know, the best may not have been optimal, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but you did the best you can and, and you then take the next, you know, the next time to say, okay, you know, what would I do differently so that if that button's pushed, I might react differently. Because wherever you can diffuse the situation, you know, diffusing is important. But what I'm not saying, Heather, is to internalize all the emotions. No, okay? definitely because not. That is not healthy. You know, it is not healthy for us to put them inside and never let them out. But, um, you know, one of the things I, I took a lot of long walks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. Of talking to myself, listening to music, talking to a friend, but, you know, just get putting yourself in a different environment in those moments when you needed to process maybe what was going on. And so it is just a matter of figuring out what are those muscles you need to build. And by the way, I literally think, you know, I do Pilates. So I talk about, you know, everyone says you have to have a strong core muscle. I actually think the compartmentalization, compartmentalization muscle is one of the most important muscles you can build in life. You know, it just happens that during a divorce, it really, <laughs> it really comes into to view. Um, and so I think that's one of those that uh, we need to really build. Right. Because when you're going through a divorce, your life doesn't stop. It still continues. Or you have to make huge changes. Like for me, I was not really working. And now I'm like, oh, now I got to do da, 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 da. So now you have more stuff. And then yes. you have the stress. When I yes. have three children, they're already enough stress. Absolutely. Because mom Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. The, the juggling act is very, very real, you know, and it's, it's day to day. And so you really have to think about how you're going to be able to manage things. And again, not in, I'm not saying any of this is easy, but I do think if you can think about those things that are going to help you through each stage, because my book talks about preparing for the change, you know, yeah. during the change and post the change. And in each phase, there is a lot to think about and there's a lot coming at you. And, you know, that was one of the things I realized during my divorce. First of all, you know, we don't grow up, we grew up thinking about maybe our, our wedding someday as, as, as women. We don't think about, okay, when I get divorced, this is how I'm going to do it, right? There's not, it is not something you're, you're planning. No, never. And, and so when it, but when it hits you, it's a real thing. You know, it is, there's a lot to think through. And so that's why um, the way I approached my book in fairness was breaking things down into bite-sized pieces, one topic per page. And so it's like, you know, just that one topic, take that topic and think about it, reflect on it, and then set it aside. It's not meant to be read cover to cover. No, it's a great book. It's a great yeah. little read because it's just, it's a very easy read and it's almost like a resource to where it's yeah, like. So just a resource. Yeah. What's your, like, what's the thing you need? There's 185 topics. 
And it's just like, but what's the topic you need for that moment that you're trying to think through? And then you take it, you reflect on it and you, and you, you know, move on. And again, the, the thing you said is so true. Once you're thrust into the divorce process and everything that's coming at you, it's, it's hard to parse out, like, what do you need to focus on? Where, where do you need to go? And I think that's one of the things that I had people giving me books during my divorce and I opened them and closed them. They were so dense. They were so thick. I couldn't even, I was like, I can't take them. I tissue rejected it. The other information overload. I was like, I can't do this. And so when I decided to provide some guidance, that's what it, what it, how it happened. And the funny thing is about the journey to write this book is that my friends were the ones that I had, I was the first of my friends to get divorced, you know, and. Uh, are your with, parents also, are they still together? No, my, Parents have been married 55 years, Heather. They're the, they are, yeah, they're the happiest married, beautiful partnership. Um, and they I literally just celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary this summer. And we did a wonderful celebration to recognize that milestone in life. So I had this amazing model of what marriage looked like yeah. and I'm very proud of their, gosh, their, all that they've done in our lives together. That just wasn't how my life was meant to unfold, you know? Yeah. And, but when I, so I went having, but in fairness, I saw a lot of ugly divorces growing up. And so friends. And so that was my mental model going into this is that it was, that it was going to be this bitter thing. I thought, so I said to my ex-husband, if we're going to do this, I want to do it differently. I want, I want to do, I want to put grace as the focus. So we really did that. And so a number of my girlfriends after we went through a divorce came to me and they had made their own decision that they were potentially heading down this path. And they said, will you help, will you help me think through this? And I said, well, sure. And so we sat down over glasses of wine in my living room and talked through things over the course of time. And at the end of each of their journeys, they said, you really need to write this stuff down. Mm-hmm. And I fashion myself a writer. I mean, you know, as you said, I'm in the corporate world. I do business bullet points. Because <laughs> <Yeah. yeah. laughs> yeah. maybe that's how we fa- like you, you think and process things. And yeah. how- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but at the end, you know, they say, you need to write this down. And I say, oh, yeah, maybe someday. Well, I was at a business meeting in Latin America in Mexico City, actually, with a group of colleagues and a good friend and colleague of mine turned to me and goes, Sarah, you're so happy. And I said, yeah. He goes, but you're divorced. <laughs> what? And I was said, it someone in Mexico that said that? So it's yeah, like a cultural and I, thing? And I said, someone, I said, someone, getting a divorce is not a death sentence. I said, my ex-husband and I decided to no longer be married to each other. I said, I'm happy. Grace is happy. My ex-husband's happy. I said, we're all happy in this new phase of life. And I go, it is possible to get divorced and be happy. And he, and he looked at me and I said, you know, it's funny, a lot of my friends have been encouraging me to write a book on this. He goes, you really should. So I got on my flight out of Mexico City the next day and opened my personal laptop and I started writing. And the first line I wrote was, this book was written by a girl who never ever thought she would get a divorce, who got a divorce from what she learned along the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the reason I share that is that it's, it was a journey I didn't expect to go on in, in this, you know, post-divorce era. And, but what I've learned through this process of both sharing the guidance and having conversations with you and others is there is an opportunity to help change our mindsets of how we approach this. Even when we're in a, even in a contentious divorce, I think for what you can control and what you can take on, you can change the trajectory of how your children are impacted by the situation. I fundamentally believe that. And even though society wants to put a scarlet letter on this, right? I, we are not divorced. And I, I say, you know, I recently went to the dentist and on the, the form and asked you for your status. And it says, no, it does. Yeah. I go, why, why does it matter? I'm right. like, you're cleaning my teeth. Like, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's on everything. It's like, you're, does it matter? Is my teeth supposed to look better if they're married or single or widowed? <laughs> I just, I, so I have that moment, but that's, there's, again, there's a societal label that everyone wants to put in, oh, but she's divorced. And I said, yeah, but I think being divorced is an action. You get divorced. It does not define your life or the path of your children's lives for the rest of their lives. And it does not need to be a negative cloud that follows you or your children for your lives. It just, it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. so I just so fundamentally believe that, that that's what's driven me to, to share this guidance and to spend time talking about it. Cause I just would love society to shift mindsets and perceptions of when we go through this, how we approach it and the ultimate outcome of being happy 
and enjoying life in a different form with a different structure. And, and I do think that's, I think it's an attainable outcome. Absolutely. And, and divorce, you know, if you didn't get married, just breaking up, it's going separate ways. It's, it's just divorce is so contractual. It yes. Like you're married. It's, it's a bond. It's, it's legal, but like, it's still at the end of the day, you have to sometimes approach it as like a business transaction. Like there's emotions there, which is difficult. Um, but if you're trying to like disassociate yourself from it, it is, it's, it's, it's just separate. It's all contract at this point, contract it's, law. <laughs> yeah. Well, and interesting enough, I talk about, you have to manage it like a project, right? Coming from right. the business world, you, you said you have to get to like a project-based mindset of, okay, what do I need to do? What are the discussions I need to have? What are the decisions I need to make? What do I need to write down to your point? What's con- what's legal and contractual? What's more of an agreement we we have discussions about? So all of that is, is part of it. And, you know, one of the, the things aside from the contractual, which is, is so fundamental, is then what is the day-to-day look like for your kids? You know, what, what, are the, what are the day-to-day actions that make up their life? And one of the most poignant moments in our journey was right before we told Grace we were getting divorced, we went to a, we actually went through a collaborative process, which required, you know, two lawyers, two coaches that help you think through process, a financial neutral and a child specialist that really focused on the child. And so we sat down with this child specialist and he looked at me and he goes, do you travel? And I said, yeah, I travel internationally for my job. And he looked at my ex-husband, he said, do you travel? And he said, yeah, I, I travel domestically. He said, well, Grace is about to become a professional traveler for the next 11 years until she heads off to college. And she's going to travel back and forth between your two homes every week. And I burst into tears. And he said, he goes, because she's going to have to pack a bag and be a professional traveler. And I thought, that's not what I want for her. Like I just, you know, I was, so I walked out and I said to my ex-husband, I want to do everything we can to reduce Grace feeling like she's a professional traveler every week. I go, I don't what know a what way that- to put it. What a way to put it. Yeah. But I just, so I'm like, so, so I said, what, what can we do? So I, I started thinking and I do realize that there's some socioeconomic considerations I'm going to share with what I'm sharing now, but I thought about, so what are the basics that she can have at both houses? So when she goes out to school and she takes her backpack to school, she's not carrying an extra bag. No, otherwise she's at the kid at school that has her backpack and she has an extra bag, right? So we did what we could to have the basics at both homes. Now I do joke, Heather, that I don't know how the socks end up at one house versus the other. And, you know, all these things, like we had to do what I called rebalancing days. Yeah, okay. I wish we could. Yeah. So, yeah. so rebalancing is when somehow we have to, by the way, it was up to us as her parents to rebalance. It's not for Grace at age seven to go in and figure out why her socks are all at her dad's house or her mom's house or why, you know, the extra pair of shorts. So we did the rebalancing. It was not for her to do. And then we literally just would hand a bag to each other when we did our, you know, transition. And then we would take those clothes and put them where they needed to be. Because I said, this is not her job. She's seven. Yeah. Right. Now, over the course of time, there are things that can't be at both points, right? The dress-up shoes that you're only going to buy one pair of, or Grace played golf. There was one set of golf clubs. So, the, but the dress-up shoes, there was one morning where Grace came down. She goes, mom, it's dress-up day. And my, my shoes are at dad's house. And then we lived about, we lived about less than 10 minutes away. So we were able to, but I had to stop and again, take a deep breath and think it's not her fault. Right. Her shoes are at your dad's house. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go get the dress-up shoes. Now that would make us late for school and but I thought, you know, I can't chastise her and say, oh, Grace, why didn't you remember? It was dress up day and to tell mom. So I can make sure, you know, again, not her, not her problem, not her fault. Right. Right. So yeah. it's in those moments, though, it's in those moments that we can take that deep breath and just think about, okay, they didn't, they didn't put them, they didn't choose this. They didn't choose this. Right. You know? Yeah. It's hard because like for my situation, I've not seen my ex-husband in person in a uh, year and a half to mm-hmm. 2021. Right. So a year and a half, uh, mm-hmm. mainly for legal reasons and protection reasons, but it makes it very tricky when you have children um, mm-hmm. where a third party has to be involved where, or now, you know, we've got parameters in place where he'll come and pick them up. If he has to come, he, you know, there's, there's very strict stipulations there. 
And it's really to keep the kids out of the, the issue that could happen. And it's nice to have school where now there's pickup, drop off. I still have um, help since I'm a single working mom. I also have some spinal uh, issues. So, you know, some days are harder than others. And so luckily I'm still able to, to have that, that person to help me just even just with, you know, running back and forth or going up and down, you know, if you have the means and there's no shame in having extra help, you don't have to do it by yourself. But, um, what my situation is, is their dad isn't that equipped of being a dad. Like he just doesn't have the skills. Like it's one of those relationships where I just did everything. And it was, he traveled all the time, was never really home. And I was, I was there. I worked from the house and, and remote and whatever. And so, learn it. He, I'm sure to learn something. Um, he's also about 18 years older than I am. So it's, you know, a different type of life and different type of brain. But when you arm yourself with some information or acceptance of, you can't make that person keep that kind of stuff for them because they either just don't know how don't have interest in doing it because they just, unfortunately just don't see it the way we do about our children sometimes you have to take the brunt and just say, you know, I don't want to help this person because of how terrible things have happened, but you put it aside compartmentalization and say, whatever's the best for the kids. Like I can't be teaching him a lesson at their expense. And so I was finding out like, and it's still happening where like clothing is not in dressers. They have clothing in a pile and hope it's clean. So I then give them the life skills to help them understand and say like, okay, well, you know, I've got like a little folding thing for my six-year-old and he loves to fold clothes. I said, well, maybe instead of maybe when you're taking a break on the iPhone doing gaming, you could go and time yourself and use the timer on the phone to see how many you can do. And then we can compete here and see if you can break your record. And so we make games out of hopefully responsibility over there to get right. them to, to not put the responsibility on them because it's not their fault. That's not, they're young. Um, but giving them um, the life skill for when maybe in three or four years, because when I model it here, you know, trying to give them more responsibility without putting it on them because you have to be tactical. Tactical. And I think that I think those ideas that you just shared are really interesting ones to because they do help build skills without it feeling like it's a chore, right? And I think that's an interesting approach. And I can appreciate with your situation that some of the things I'm sharing aren't as feasible. And that's why there's a there's a spectrum of things that we can sure. think through, right? That's the goal. The goal is to have that, right? Like what I ended up doing is after I've accepted the fact that like they don't have any clothing over there and they're coming home in the same clothes when we we went through the process of making sure everyone had basic essentials but i can't you know a year and a half kids grow <laughs> they can't wear 3t 4t when they're yes. sick yes yes, yes. It is a constant, yeah the constant keeping up with that is very very real it's and, very if the, and if it's a misbalance right like they're not there as often they're really with me a lot of the time but i also did not want to do the bag situation because mm -hmm. I always try to remind them you're going to your dad's like your dad's picking up today. You'll be back tomorrow. So if there's something you want to wear before next week, try to remember it. If you don't no big deal, you're going back. I will also remind them if like he won't be seeing them for several weeks because of travel or schedule or whatever the case may be, I'll remind them. And I try to, to take note, which is a lot more on me, but that are young. I'm trying to alleviate maybe the, the sadness and the things that might happen. Cause I can just foresee it, but just like, Hey, are you sure you want to do that? Because if you do forget it, it will be like three weeks. And so don't wear your favorite shirt over there or your favorite, whatever. I've tried to do two things where, um, like two retainers, my son got his braces off. Oh yes. No, yes. But he lost his retainer over there. I tried to do the FaceTime to see, cause I was like, if I go over there, I'll find it a second. I'm sure I yeah. know exactly where it is but obviously there's boundaries. And so I can't make the, their dad go get him a new one, but I can say, well, we're not bringing it there. Cause then what would happen is, so just teaching them how to remember to put it in the case, just like home. Yes. I know it's a different environment, different thing, but trying to keep them into like habits. 
Yes. That's a good step. And then they're at that age where that's that is a big focus. And make it fun. Make it yeah. fun. Yeah. And then across two homes, I know that can be a challenge, but you're doing what you can. And again, everything you've shared is you're doing what you can to influence them in a wonderful way. And you know, that's all we can do. That is that is that's that's the goal. But it's um, you know, I know there's a spectrum of what that looks like within yeah. these scenarios. Like I cleaned out their drawers because they were just overflowing. And so I just looked at it instead of donating it. I was like, I'm donating it to your dad. And so my nanny brought the, these two huge trash bags of, of clothes. And I know they fit. I know they're clean. I know they're folded. And I know that they'll have enough. And for sure, he was upset that I'm providing that stuff because it's like, but it's in all in all, it's like, take it do what you want with it. I just, the kids had mentioned that they didn't have what they enough and they're going to be there for five days for Thanksgiving. So, um, thought instead of donating it, they wanted to keep some stuff there and it is what it is. It's very difficult to not try to push control on the other one as well when you're sending things back and forth. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is the physical environment, you know, in terms of the different homes. And obviously it's, it's very different. The thing that I tried to do with, because um, in our instance, I was staying in the home that we had been in with, and so great, I'm going to stay there. And my ex-husband was moving to another place. And, but we were divvying up all of our stuff, right? We were splitting all of our both assets and furniture and everything, artwork and everything. Um, and so I had a, uh, we had a hallway, a, a hallway black and white family photos that was interspersed of all of our different family moments over the years. And I wanted to give my ex-husband his family photos. And so I thought, well, so I took it upon myself and this is one of those projects. I said, well, I need to put other photos up. So I took the time, I got other photos of Grace and I, my family and framed them. And she, um, it was a Saturday afternoon. I sent her down to a friend's house down the street for a play date. And I took the photos down, I put them in a box, I put other photos up and got everything sorted, put the box away. And Grace came home a few hours later and she walks in the hallway and, I hear, and I'm in the kitchen. I hear this little voice go, hey, mommy. And I go, what's that, Grace? She goes, the wall has changed. And I stopped in my tracks. I said, well, what's changed? She goes, there are more pictures of me up there. It looks great. And she ran up to her room. And Heather, I can tell you that if I had not taken the time to have other photos done and I'd frame them and put them all and I'd just taken my ex-husband family's photos down and put them in a box and left those little hangers interspersed. Sad. Sad moments. What she would remember years later that she'd be telling a therapist is my parents got divorced and my mom took all the photos of my dad's family off the wall and put them in a box and left the hangers. Right. And so it's these little moments when we're thinking about what we're doing to the physical environment, what we're doing to the transitions they have across homes, that it's just, we have to, you said it, we have to kind of think ahead to what's the impact of that thing on them and do what we can. Again, we can't, we can't catch all of these moments, but like where we can think like if we're taking a piece of artwork, it might not be that we place it, replace it with another piece of artwork, but maybe there's a mirror or if a chair is moving, make sure it's just not the chair, empty chair space where dad's chair was or what, you know, it's, you know, how do you rework it so that the, the holes that are physically created in an environment where your children are going to be post-divorce don't feel so gaping? Yeah, I did something kind of similar where we couldn't keep the home where we were staying. So we split it. And so he moved and I moved mm -hmm. doing the whole thing to it up the assets or whatever. And, and I'm playing, I'm probably writing a book as well, because I've got a very yes and no type of way but trying not to be it very like a it's very hard to do it um non-accusatory right because or right versus wrong what i ended up doing similar to you is when we moved i i implored them to let me keep a lot of the stuff a he had money to replace it he was whatever da, 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 da. he didn't want any of it as like if, if i can keep it to at least allow the kids to have something familiar for when we move homes because now that's like we're picking up and moving. They don't understand fresh start all this. So what I ended up doing is taking what I had and moving it into the home, which I didn't want any of it because of some of the memories that had happened um, due to the, the situation and environment we were in. But I was like, I'm going to move it in. And then I'm going to slowly move them out because at least 
their coffee table is there, their couches are there, their dining room's there. And then what I ended up doing is I got it in the house and they were with him the weekend I was moving. And then from then I, I had them for three months straight. So I was like, I got my house in order in a weekend. And that was a lot of work, lots of boxes, lots of late nights, but it, it, it was very important for me to get their rooms done first. So they had their space, their stuff. And then my stuff was just kind of later. And then I had slowly said, okay, when the, they would go, I'd sell the coffee table or donate it and I would get new ones. And as I was moving them in, they'd come home and be like, oh, wow, this is awesome. This just looks so nice, mom. Like, And they never asked me where the other stuff was. I have one piece that they really liked. And so I kept it and I put it. And so it's familiar, it's there, but there's all new decor throughout and then moving that in and out because yes. it's familiarity. It feels like their house just because it's different. So they at first were like, we like the old house better. I was like, yeah, I know, but this is smaller, a lot less space. We're closer together, more time together, you know, but uh, keeping that familiarity, like you said, is huge. Yeah. And just and allowing them to feel like things, you know, and I think what you did sounds like an amazing plan to really just keep some continuity knowing you were going to change it and that's okay. Change is also important to be able to adjust to. It's just a matter of how much change all that you're asking, you know, small, small humans to figure out. And so I think the more we can help them along that, the, the better off they'll be. And I have to say, it's a huge, I was able to see it because with the stuff that was taken before the move that he was getting no, no nothing made it to the other house because he had no intention of keeping it he just it was one of those contentious things where he just didn't want me to have it which I told the person that was helping us I was like if he doesn't want it I will buy it back because I think it's important that the kid because the kids are attached to it yeah. and unfortunately emotion got over over there on that side of things and and they would say like they this didn't make it or we didn't see this they get over it it's stuff right it's just stuff but the whole purpose was to bring it transition it do what you want with it whether you feel like you want to look at it or not it's for the kids sake bring it back to the kids Absolutely. we're adults we have we have survival skills <laughs> yeah we do we do and that's why i think you know and there's a lot of i say there's a lot of um i say as adults though there's recovering from the divorce hangover right <gasps> that happens and it takes that takes time you know it takes quite honestly it can take years yeah but and I, I joke that it's while still driving carpool in the morning right you have a hangover and you're still driving carpool you're like oh don't feel like doing this but I need to so you know I think one of the things even as as moms is we do take a lot on and we need to think about what we're also trying to do for ourselves during these times and that can yeah. be really um it's the hard thing to fit in with everything else. miss your kids too like your kids go you're a yeah. mom you can't protect them and then they're there and you don't have control over that environment either yes. and as moms it's so hard to like I'm still getting better at it because then I kind of released it as it's a weekend off I can clean my house I can yes. catch up I don't have to pay a sitter yeah there's yeah I think when you get to the point where there's you're always going to miss your kids right that's that's you probably miss your kid now. She's 21. Yeah, she's off and she's off and running. But I, but the thing is, you know, you, if you can take the, the what you just said, the positive of the gift of time, which we don't really get as moms often. Because we complain that we don't have time, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you can take that time in those moments, you don't have them and think about how you're going to use them either for yourself or to your point for getting organized or doing a little bit of travel or whatever the thing is that's going to help feed your spirit, your energy help you recharge because then when you go back into the day-to-day -day juggling active when they are around, you know, it's important to use those times for you, you know, as much yeah. as you And so, but that's a transition. That's part of that transition in the divorce, the post-divorce change. Yes, which is an outline in your book. Yeah. Yeah. And then thinking about kind of the new normal of life and thinking about what's the life you want to lead now and how you want to structure it. And, and those gifts of time that you, I, it, when you can tr transition to them being seen as a gift, and not the negative of my kids aren't with me is a, is another phase. It's another it's phase. Hard phase to get. And it's a hard phase. It's a hard phase. And even and I recently actually had a good friend who's a dad who I told him it'll get easier. He goes, it does. I can't imagine. I go, it will. It will. You know. And and then down the road he wrote me a text and he said it's getting easier. I said it does. It's just time. You know, it's time and it's getting used to it, a new way of living. And you'll still miss them, but 
you know, see, see how you can fill that, that void with something positive that's for you. And eventually it feels more like a gift than a, than a negative. Yeah. And I think it, for me, it was harder because they were around me every day, him, not necessarily, it wasn't a very big transition of him not being around because he traveled yeah. an exorbitant amount of, of time. And yeah. so it was always coming, going with me. It was the separation we we dealt with, with the separation of kids. Yeah. And so therapy is huge, like play therapy for kids. Um, yeah. And then therapy for you. And then I, um, we had parenting coaches. So Good. to Good. help navigate the um, co-parenting relationship and how to deal or when something comes and it's triggering and you have to compartmentalize it and not be reactionary because everything is being watched and taking accountability. It's okay to take accountability in front of your kids and say that you made a mistake. Yeah. Because you're not perfect. And when I do things like you were saying, I will say like, I'm really sorry. I should not have acted like that. Or even if I have an argument with my eight-year-old daughter who is sassy as all can be, she will, I've noticed she will even say to me at the end of the day, like, I'm really sorry I yelled at you. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry I yelled back. You know, maybe next time we can do da, 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 da. And I think you, that goes with divorce as well and reactionary situations. Absolutely. You're not perfect and you're not trying to show your parent, your kids you're perfect. No, no, absolutely. And really in the first year after divorce, you know, as you're doing what I call preparing for a year first, like all those first times, you're going to reflect on the things you did well to your point. You're like, or that felt good. And there are other things you're like, oh, I'm not going to do it that way next time. You know, and I actually think the holidays are the hardest thing as part yeah. of a divorce. And they're honestly, even to this day, I mean, Grace is 21. And I, even to this day, I can tell you, I've been doing this for 14 years and it's still the hardest thing because we, we alternate holidays. So she'll be with her dad this Christmas. And I, and yeah. Oh, the hardest. That's yeah, the hardest Christmas. Last year was my first Christmas without my kids and they're young and that's the best. It was so I have them this year, but God, last year was hard. It's hard. So hard. And, and you know what? I, I hate to say it. This is of all my things in my book where I'm an optimist or really positive. It is, it does, it gets easier, but it doesn't, it's still, it's still it's hard. It's it's really the thing that it's, it's not, a, it's the, it's the bummer of a divorce situation that. Um, <laughs> or you're doing something earlier than you expect, right? Cause you expect yes, your kids yes. to split households for Christmas when they're married. Yes. Yes. It's, 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 it's when much, seven. <laughs> yes, much earlier. It's much earlier. And so, you know, and that is an interesting thing. You know, there's a couple of things on that. You know, the interesting thing is when your kids do finally go off to college, you're used to them being away a little bit more. So the transition to that empty nesting phase is interesting because you, you've had some time. So I've seen a difference for me versus some of my friends from that. Mm. But I think the, um, the managing that you're first, the thing I'd say to those that are listening is you know, take note of what worked, you know, really kind of reflect on the first birthdays, you know, the first family vacation, you know, the holidays, per se, you know, for sure. But, and think about, did that work? How'd that feel? And then say, okay, well, let's, because you're also going to start thinking about what are the new traditions you're going to set as a family that are in a different model than what was happening prior and give reflection on that in the moment. And then I always say that the viewer first helps you in the second year to, to then say, okay, I'm going to do it the same way this year. That actually worked. You know, yeah. we're, we're, I'm, you know, I'm not doing it that way again. So just being conscious so that you're first, because again, so much is happening that sometimes you don't take the time to reflect, but if you can, it helps you in that second year, it helps you in that third year. And then, you know, as things go on, you, you live in, you know, a new normal that is different than the way you were living before, but I think it absolutely can be a very happy, fulfilling way of living. You know, I, Heather, I, I joke that somehow I became the poster child for a good divorce, not, you know, but I've also had people tell me that I make divorce look too good. Hmm. And I say, well, I'm just really trying to be happy. Yeah. You're not trying to advocate for people to go yeah. get divorced and be happy. Yeah. yeah. I said, I just, I'm just trying to live a happy life. A Avoid it. You can, but. Yeah. And so, but it is interesting that, you know, and I said, so I always say again, divorce is an action. I went through it. I'm living an amazing, wonderful, happy, fulfilled life. But there are choices along the way of what you do that help you to get there. And I think when we grow up, we see things. And so um, it's not textbook. It's not fairy tale. And it's okay that it doesn't look like when we are little yeah. or what was modeled. Like my parents are still happily married and my, you know, it, I'm not a product of divorce. Um, so, and, and neither was my ex-husband. Yeah. So it, it's, it's traditional values, but it's okay to, it's okay that it looks different and different doesn't mean bad. Right. 
Right. You know, and I, I think though that having that mindset as you go through this, then over the course of time, you you will get to a place where that new way of living and you hopefully work through some of the dynamics you're you're still dealing with. And you're like, okay, we're we're past that. Like there's there's phases of this this evolution you're going through and your family's going through and other families are going through. And that's acceptance too, right? Yeah, there's acceptance. There's, you know, and 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 acceptance and and then appreciation for what you do have and what you're where you're going and what your kids are doing. And you just get to a different level of focus that isn't about the fact that you're in this divorce phase, you know. And so I think that's what I hope for everyone is, you know, you do have to go through the year first and then you have the divorce hangover. But if you can see past the divorce hangover and say that there's going to be a, another way of living life that's just different than the one you were living before and that there's lots of happiness ahead. I just think that that's something everyone needs to hold on to and stay focused on because, you know, this is a is, is such a challenging time. And it was interesting. I, I had a, a young gal that stopped me when I, right after I wrote my book, I was in the produce section at the grocery store. And um, she, she had been at the book signing that I'd done at Barnes and Noble years ago. And she said, you know, um, are you Sarah Armstrong, the author? And I stopped and I laughed because at that point I'm like, oh, I, I didn't think about myself that way. Yeah. Oh, I guess <laughs> I, I am. Like, uh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> am I? Yeah. And so uh, she said, well, I was at your book signing and um, I'm going through a divorce and I'm reading your book. And I always, honestly, it's always a bittersweet thing for me. I'm so sorry to hear someone's going through a divorce. But I, there's a, a help. Hopefully the, the book can help them. And she said, you know, I have your book and I carry it with me everywhere because it's keeping me calm. Hmm. And I, she said, thank you for writing it. And I said to her, thank you for sharing it and sharing that with me. And Heather, I stood there in the produce section at the, you know, in the middle of the grocery store. And I thought, you know, that's why I've written this book is to help women through one of the most challenging phases of life you're going to go through, you know, as a mom, as a woman. And if I can help people stay calm through that phase and know that you can get through it, you know, that's the goal. That's yeah. the goal. And so it just was one of those moments, um, you know, and I, and I appreciate that everyone's at different phases of processing when they're going through divorce and no one, no one divorced and no one, no one going through divorce is going through to your point when you said anyone that hasn't gone through divorce can't really give me advice. But even those who go through, through divorce, there's just such a, you know, there's such a range of dynamics that everyone is so unique, but where we can step back and think about the things that we can, again, control and consistently do that are going to keep our kids front and center. And then think about what's good for us as moms and as women. Yeah. I think we have the best opportunity to then turn the page into a whole new chapter of life that's going to have, you know, lots that you don't even know is ahead of you in a wonderful way, but you just have to kind of get through that phase. Absolutely. It's also taken upon, take it as an opportunity to model. Like for me, it's, I can now show my kids, like I can do it by myself. I can, my, my daughter, I have two sons and a, and a daughter. And I was like teaching my daughter that you can be, you can work and be a mom and you can be a, all the things. And it, it's modeling a different type of way than seeing uh, maybe traditional family role model, uh, family model. Yep. And they say that, you know, uh, I went through lots of therapy and going through it. And on the other side, it's a mom or dad or just or two parents, I should say, <clears throat> depending on your lifestyle. And um, it it's one consistent parent is okay and can still show that your kids can have a healthy life and see it and not be maybe a product force later um then rather too because that's just family modeling it's not actually absolutely so, you don't stay together for the kids you do what's yeah. best for them yeah and you know it's interesting because what you said um when grace and i were on our first spring break well, maybe maybe second or third spring break after the divorce she was about eight or nine it was actually she was nine and um we were sitting and she looked at a family across the way at the restaurant and it had a, a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister. And she looked at me, she goes, that's a real family. Oh, wow. And I looked at her and I go, Grace, we're a real family. She goes, no, we're not. She goes, there's not a mommy and a daddy here. And I don't, and I don't have a brother. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> well, I got that ship has sailed, sweetie. But yeah. um, what was interesting is I tried to explain to her, no, no, no. So I went back and she had gone to a therapist, the child specialist, I mentioned earlier, she'd gone to a therapist 
post-divorce and then we'd stop because she was seemed to be good. And so I wrote him the, about the scenario and I told him how she had reacted and what I'd said. And he said, you should not have told her she was wrong because that was her image of a family at the time. She would have to learn over time that there's different ways that families take shape and form. And, but that's, that was her mental model. And so I went back to her afterwards. I said, you know, and so I kind of went back and reflected with her and I said, but hopefully over the course of time, you'll see that, you know, there are different types of families and, you know, you and I are family, you and dad, and you have a family structure and all these things. So, but it was an interesting moment for me to kind of get that coaching from the therapist of like, no, don't tell her she's wrong. That's her. Yeah. Let me, let me, and let me think about that. But um, it was just, it was a moment, you know, those are, again, when you, when you, have those moments where, where you react and you do try to give the best framing of something to really reflect on it and see if it's, if it's giving them the right, you know, way of thinking about it as well. And yeah. so, yeah, there's just moments that you, you reflect on along this, this journey we're on. Right. Cause parenting is, there's no manual and then that's already hard. And then yes. divorce is new if you've never done it. So there you go. So yeah. we're going to make mistakes and say things, which I think having, I, someone like you, like we went to the counselor and you just get some feedback. It helps, you know, at least we don't, we can stop what we were doing and try to just help us. Can't work, yeah. but we're, right? we make mistakes and we say things. I say things all the time. I'm like, I don't know. Send that. I'll do something better next time. You know, it's yeah, okay. we're, we're works in progress. We're all works in progress. You know, Give yourself some grace, as you said. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So please tell us, um, where we can find your book. And I really do. It's a great book. I have it on my, on my shelf oh, and um, strongly encourage listeners to go and, and read it. Well, well, thank you. So it, you can get it on Amazon. Um, it's on a paperback and ebook, iBook uh, format. And as well, I went into the studio during the pandemic and did an audio book. You did. So, yeah. So, so all three are there. And because, you know, I, I appreciate that some moms might not be ready to have this sitting on their bedside table, right? Or for either for their kids or someone else to see. So whether you want to listen to it, whether you want to look at it on your iPad or your phone. And I actually had one young gal that I met recently and she said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm reading your book. And I said, Oh, and then she said, but I, I share an Amazon account with my husband. And so I sent it to my friend's house and I sit in my car in her driveway and I read it. Wow. And I said, well, I'm glad you were able to get to it. And it's hopefully it's helping. She's like, it's really helping, but I just, I just wanted you to know. And, you know, those are those moments how they were my, you know, my heart both hurts and sinks, yeah. but also, then I think, you know, she's getting, she's looking for help and how to think through this. And if that's what this book can do is help, help that mom in that moment, then that's why it's out there. So hopefully it helps some of your listeners. Um, it's really just meant to be a guide and not meant to be read cover to cover. As I mentioned earlier, it's meant to be there when you need it at the stage you're in for a couple of moments of reflection on a given topic and then you can go back to it when you need it so it's fantastic it really is very helpful and hey you can always uh go old school with the textbook covers and your kid draw on it you know turn it up (laughs) turn it backwards i print her paper and let them color on it you know then it's 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 a great it's a great point it's a great point i actually had a girlfriend who is not divorced but wanted to read it just to show like to say she'd read my book she tore off the front cover. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. She, she goes, Sarah, I had to tear off the front cover. I, was like, I don't want my husband to think I'm like doing research on trying to divorce him and then have that conversation. So it was it was a moment. I was like, oh, okay. You so, might yeah. want to think about that like a, like a post, uh, like volume two or a, yes, the way yeah, that you a, a book cover. Yeah. yeah, do like, you know, how to be happier, happy day, like whatever, or just a, a plain leather bound book with no it's cover. A, it's actually an interesting point. Yeah, it is. It is. So, but the, hopefully those that, and I think at the end of the day, if I leave one last thought is that I just want everyone to know that I, I do think a good divorce is an attainable outcome, even when you're in a contentious situation for what you can control. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, so, yeah. so thank you for having me on Heather. Really have enjoyed our discussion. And thank you so much for sharing. And it's a, always a, you know, it's a tender topic and I really do appreciate you sharing some um, intimate details about yours. And do you have any social media or any type of websites that you like to share? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and things. So I just, they're on my website. Actually, that's probably the best way to, to reach me, which is um, gooddivorce.guide. And uh, so you can go there and kind of reach me from various angles. So. 
And because you work for Google, I'm sure it'll be number one, number one uh, <laughs> uh, on the search. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here and everything will be in the show notes, all the links. Please go and find the book elsewhere. I, I'm telling you, it's a great thing and you've been amazing. And I really hope that uh, you ever want to come back and share again or updates, uh, you know, and if you ever write another one and um, thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast please reach out. It's a very um, difficult topic. So Sarah loves to hear from you and I love to hear from you. So please reach out and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.